For today's case, we're heading to the rolling valleys and the deep canyons of the beautiful Mpumalanga, home to the southern half of the Kruger National Park, the Blyde River Canyon, and the Masoyi Monster. Julius Tabiso Ndawe. Hello and welcome to Murder and Mayhem, a South African true crime podcast hosted by me, Bella Monsoon. I'm a mental health professional, so Murder and Mayhem, a South African true crime podcast, explores real-life crimes occurring within South Africa from a psychological viewpoint. Every week, a new case is examined and we delve headfirst into the motives that drive people to do what they do. Join me weekly on a journey into the minds behind the madness as we traverse murder, mayhem, and much more. In 2019 in Masoi Mpumalanga, a heinous discovery was made in the garden of Julius Mdawe, a 25-year-old man at the time. Today, we look into this case, which truly epitomizes the notion that you should be careful of who you speak to on the internet. Today's episode contains material citing murder, however, there are no graphic details. As always, I mean absolutely no disrespect to the victims nor their families. Should you feel triggered by anything discussed in this podcast or just feel as though you need to speak to someone, I have a full list of mental health resources available on my website, balamonsoon.com, regardless of where in the world you are located. For today's case, we're heading to the rolling valleys and the deep canyons of the beautiful Mpumalanga home to the southern half of the Kruger National Park, the Blyde River Canyon, and the Masoyi Monster. Julius Tabiso Ndawe. For the duration of this case, I may at times refer to the perpetrator and his actions as alleged, as although he has confessed to the crimes, he has yet to receive a court verdict and sentence. So the year is 2019 in Masoi, a rural poverty-stricken area in Mpumalanga. It is here that we meet Julius, and to those who knew him, he was described as a quiet but friendly man. However, an acquaintance had later said of him, when you greeted him, it felt as if you were troubling him, because he was just too reserved and quiet. He didn't like to talk. Julius was 25 years old at the time, and he worked as a security guard. His behavior never really raised any red flags for his neighbors. He used to have young women over to his house all the time, but seeing as though he was a young man himself, this type of behavior was perceived as normal. The only complaints that were ever received was that at times his music would be too loud. But in hindsight, there was probably a really sinister reason for that. So the neighbors who knew him were quite fond of him. And he even used to watch his one neighbor's grandchildren when she went to church. He was also an avid gardener and he was always in his yard. His neighbors used to be in awe of the garden that he had. And together they would share tips and he would even share his fertilizer and some of his grown vegetables with them. His one neighbor in particular, Gogo Lizzie Masuka, who is 73 years old, would always comment on how great his spinach, sugarcane, and mealies were doing compared to hers. 
just one garden over. She had attributed this to the fact that he had bigger hose pipes as well as a tractor. But little did she know that he was using a special kind of compost. Very soon though, his dark secret was going to be made public knowledge, to the shock of the community. Appearing kind and quiet on the outside, a dangerous darkness lay within Julius. For years prior to his arrest, he confessed to stalking women from his village of Masoi, as well as from the neighbouring village of Numbi. One day, however, he had decided to level up and take his stalking to a digital space. And this is precisely how and why he would later become known as the Facebook serial killer. So the year is 2018, it's January to be precise, and Benele Corsa is 15 years old. Benele came from a loving home where she lived with her parents as well as her sisters. She was described as a good, well-behaved, quiet young girl who was incredibly smart, always helping her siblings with their homework. It was actually through her sister, Bonisiwe, that she had met Julius. So Bonisiwe was training to become a Sangoma, and her teacher actually happened to be Julius's mother's sister. This is how Bonisiwe and Julius had met, and a short while after meeting, they had started dating. So one day, prior to an initiation ceremony, Bonisiwe had realized that she had left her traditional garments which she needed to wear for the ceremony at her home. Bonele had then come from her home to Julius's house where Bonisiwe was staying to drop off her traditional garments. Julius had then assured Bonisiwe that he would take Bonele home as she would be busy at the ceremony. And she trusted him because he had never given her a reason not to. Bonele had often spent a night at Julius's home whilst Bonisiwe was there and nothing ever appeared to be out of the ordinary. The following day, however, on Sunday, it was soon realized that Bonele was missing. Her sister, however, had received an incredibly strange text message saying, please don't tell them at home, I'm not coming back. Yeah, no, that's kind of sus. Immediately, she had tried to call the number back. However, there was no answer. Shortly afterwards, her sister had gone through to the Masoi police station and she had filed a missing persons report. So at this point in time, the police had interviewed both Bonisiwe as well as Julius, as they were the last two people to have seen Benele. And this is where things got super strange. So keep in mind that Julius and Bonisiwe were still dating. He had then told the police that he suspected that Bonisiwe had sold Benele to a Nigerian man. She was then arrested on suspicion of human trafficking. When she was finally released due to lack of evidence, obviously, she had gone to Julius's home to confront him. It was here that things became incredibly heated. He had locked the security gates, he had thrown plates at the wall, and he had physically lashed out at her. She, however, managed to get hold of his keys, which he had thrown across the room. She unlocked the one security gate, and she made her way to a couple just down the road, who had then driven her back home. He had then had the audacity to come to her house later that day. 
And her mother had led him into the house because she had no idea of what had happened earlier. Bonisira obviously hadn't told her. He then managed to convince her to walk him out. And whilst she was doing this, he attacked her again. This time, however, he had stabbed her in the back and pushed her into the bushes. By the time she had got up and stumbled away back to her house, she was just in time to see one of the rooms go up in flames. Luckily, the fire was put out quite quickly before it spread throughout the house, as well as to the rooms where there were children sleeping. Julius was never formally accused of anything or charged. The family continued to do everything in their power to try and seek Bonelle out. They did everything from seeking the advice of prophets, whom they paid quite a bit of money to, to searching for her themselves. But it would later turn out that it was in fact Julius who was responsible for her demise. And in July of the following year, about a year and a half later, the family would finally receive some form of closure as they buried her bones. Her face was unidentifiable and parts of her were given back in plastic bags. And with heavy hearts, Benele was buried. The family still holds much resentment towards Julius, as well as a lot of undealt with trauma, as there was no counselling that was offered to them during this period, which in itself is horrific enough. And the victims were far from over. Nopolo Mbluli was 18 years old and a matric when she went missing in February of 2018. Her mother believed that she had fallen pregnant and had left with her boyfriend, being too afraid to come home. After she went missing, her mother continued to receive text messages from her for the next six to seven months that stated that she was alive and she was fine. Her mother, having believed the text messages, had not reported her as missing to the police. Her body was later found buried in a room with no roof, with the flooring plastered over. The next victim was Nomtandazo Mbluli. She was a shy, quiet, 17-year-old girl at the time of her demise. It was the 28th of April, 2018, when she had left her home to go and fetch her cell phone from Julius. That day that she left, though, she never returned. That day and night, her family had searched for her, but to no avail. When Julius was questioned by her family, who were aware that she had left to go to his home, he responded that he didn't know where she was and that she hadn't come to collect her phone. After her body was exhumed from Julius's home, he had claimed that he was in a relationship with her, but her family denies these claims to this day. His fourth victim was Felicia Ndlovo, who was 17 years old at the time when she went missing. She had actually been close friends with his previous victim, Nomtandazo. Her body was also found under the floor in the area that was under construction within his home. Toki Klaka was Julius's alleged final victim. She was only 23 years old at the time of her passing. She was discovered to be missing around the 10th of May, 2019. She was described as being quiet and soft-spoken 
and she also had a four-year-old child. Her sister Gladness is still confused as to how the pair had met as they both knew nothing of Julius. According to records, however, they had met on Facebook. He had reached out to her and after chatting for a few days, they decided to meet up for some adult fun. The day of her disappearance, her sister and her cousin had ironically tried to contact her multiple times but were not successful. Initially, they had not thought much of it as she sometimes changed some cards. Upon entering the home, she was greeted by the sight of bath water still in the bath, a layer of dust over everything, and the TV still on. And it was shortly after this visit that her sister had reported her missing at the police station. It was, however, her sister's next move, as well as the action of the police, that would finally end this tragic saga. Gladness, her sister, had taken the phone packaging of the phone that her sister was using to the police station and they had run the IMEI number. Through tracking and further investigation, the police were led straight to the home of Julius Ndawe. Unfortunately, after greeting the police officers, he told them that he needed to fetch something in his home, where he then fled out the back window. His getaway, however, was short-lived, as two days later, his mother had brought him into the station. And that's some good parenting for you. After being questioned, he confessed to not only knowing about the disappearance of the woman in question, Toki, but also after some KFC and the detective gaining his trust, he confessed to the murder of five women. These women were later found buried in shallow graves in different parts of his home and his yard, including near a pit toilet. In his garden, he had planted either fruit or vegetables on top of each. At the time of his arrest, there was also a freshly dug hole found, which is believed to have been awaiting his next victim. He had claimed it was a drainage hole, however, it was the exact same size as the other holes. Yeah, no, that's kind of sus. So, although a full confession was made by Julius, as well as the bodies being found on his property, the legalities of just accepting a confession as truth then kicked in. Different avenues have to be explored and investigated before any final verdict can be given. So, as crazy as it sounds, he is technically innocent until proven otherwise. His community, however, do not feel that way in the least though. His home was set alight shortly after the knowledge of what he had done was made public. Unfortunately, these actions would later impact the case as potential evidence was destroyed. Julius also had to be whisked away by police shortly after his first court appearance. Following that encounter in 2019, he decided to abandon his bail application for his own safety. A resident from his neighborhood, Tembi Maseko, had said, We are scared. This man has been staying with dead bodies in his yard. We have been searching for the people, thinking that they are missing, while he has killed them. He is so evil, and we thought that he was a good young man. Another community member, Tabo Mukhale, had said, We wish the police can bring him here so that we deal with this man. We have lots of people disappearing from this community, not knowing that it is he who kills them. The horror of the situation was further illustrated by a friend of his, 
who said, We ate his vegetables, not knowing that there were bodies buried there. They were fresh and his soil was very rich. So we enjoyed free veggies. I don't think anyone can lie and say that they didn't eat it. As of July 2021, only three of the five bodies have been identified via forensic and DNA testing. The other two bodies have been sent to the Netherlands where advanced systems are in place to assist with the identification of the remains. Unfortunately, due to the current state of affairs in the world, this entire process has been delayed. To the point that over two years later, DNA results are still unavailable and Julius's trial faces constant delays. Unfortunately, the lack of DNA results means that for the other two families, they are unable to lay their loved ones to rest just yet. For so many, the decision to not go ahead with the prosecution pending these results have caused much uproar and anger. After attending court earlier this year, the trial starting date was postponed from January to February 11th, 2022. The accused faces five counts of murder, five counts of concealing bodies, and two counts of violating corpses. According to his statement, after he had engaged in intercourse with these women, they had later returned to his place of residence, demanding money, at which point he had become angry and killed them. Some of his victims were hit with a blunt object, others were strangled or drowned. He also confessed to the sexual assault of both Toki and Benele, but not the other three. Throughout the arrest and court appearances thus far, Julius has maintained a cool and calm disposition. Those who have been working the case have said that by looking at him, you could never imagine that he is alleged to have killed five women. His neighbors, family, and friends are still in disbelief. Even the police officers themselves attest to his quiet nature. He was also said to be quite charming, especially when it came to female interactions. So Julius would definitely be considered a serial killer. But what does that really mean? By the most widely accepted definition, the term serial involves the murder of two or more victims by the same perpetrator. According to forensic psychologist Gerard Labishkachny, within South Africa, the archetype for the serial killer is usually late 20s, around 29, with often the highest level of education being mid-high school level. Typically, they approach strangers offering incentives like income, a job, or some other form of opportunity. The victims are then lured to remote locations where they are then killed and their bodies are dumped. A friend of Julius's, Vusi, says that he believes that Julius could not live with his secrets any longer. He had gone on to say, He wasn't sleeping at all. He worked as a security guard, but he would come back from work in the afternoon and buy us alcohol every day. I couldn't find geographical statistics for South Africa in particular, but in America, the number of serial killers has declined. But on the other end of it, so too have the number of solved cases. Which lead many to believe that some of these cases might have ties to a serial murderer. What is known, within South Africa at least, is that when a serial murderer is on the loose, they are met with some of the best profilers in the world. The likes of Mickey Pistorius and Gerard Labishkachny, to name a few. 
Julius's serial killer profile is unfortunately nothing new. The quiet, unsuspecting man who slips under the radar whilst committing the most atrocious acts. But serial killers are evolving, and this is what we need to learn and be aware of. Back in the day, a perpetrator would need to find and source their victims. But with the changes in technology, it's kind of become a lot easier. A few clicks online, a fake profile, and a few messages exchanged is sometimes all that is needed to find and secure the perfect target. And if you think about it, that is truly terrifying. The rise of technology has led to remarkable developments in forensic testing, in DNA analysis of crime scenes, and even of surveillance of perpetrators. But unfortunately, that sword is double-edged. And it's not only the dark web that holds the potential to be used for evil. Like with Julius, a simple social networking site that even your gran is on was used to find and lure innocent women to a dark fate. But that doesn't mean that all of social media is bad. It just means that you should think the next time you post something about yourself online or send a message or picture to a complete stranger. It entails just thinking twice before you visit a stranger's apartment or share your home address. So I really don't think that I need to tell all of you watching this video right now, but just a warning given the state of the world currently. I implore you, be careful of who you trust on the internet because you can't always know what's on the other side of that screen. Until next time, please stay safe, stay blessed, and stay the amazing human beings that I know you all are. I hope you have an amazing festive season, and to all of those who are celebrating, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. And I will see you guys in the new year. Bye!